If you uh, need a spoiler alert, Jesus died on the cross and was put in the tomb. And when they went to look in the tomb, it was empty. If you need a little spoiler. And uh, I assume that everybody knew that since you were here celebrating Easter Sunday. But I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, it seems a pretty common topic. And it's good to reflect uh, and, re- and remember. Uh, but really, we're remembering what we should be remembering every day. And uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Landon, Landon Mayberry. I'm the assistant pastor here at Oakton. And if you're looking for Pastor Kent, he's not here either. Um, he's, he's starting, uh, we're starting an English service at Oakton Carthage. And uh, he'll be speaking there at 1130 is when their service starts. And uh, we're believing for big things there. And, but we're also believing for big things here too. And uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do here. And uh, I really want to start out. Let's start out by praying. What do you say? That's usually a good place to start, all right? Father God, we come to you today, Lord. And Father, I pray uh, that we woke up this morning and we didn't just expect to celebrate another Easter Sunday, but Lord, that we woke up this morning with the anticipation that you really are risen and that you really are the God that you say that you are. And Lord, that you paid the ultimate price for us, no matter how undeserving we were of it. Lord, that you gave it to us freely. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this room, would be in this place. And Father, that you would just start speaking to your people. And I wouldn't even have to say a word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the good news is, if you want an early uh, thing you can jump to and amen to, is we got a short service planned for you guys this morning. Um, I promise I'm not going to talk very long. And Uh, I know everybody's got a lot of stuff going on today, but it's important that we take time to to reflect and remember who Christ is. And uh, if you're super confused about about the book that you were handed whenever you walk in, so we've uh, started something new, and if you don't have a book, make sure that you get one by the end of the day. Um, There's some in the, there'll be some in the back on the connection booth, but uh, anywho, if you got one of these books, what this is is... Um, our great uh, Pastor Larry Garfield started a triangle ministry uh, many, many moons ago. And uh, in that was a lot of very, very important and crucial information for uh, new people to the church and, and people in the church to have and, and to know and to know, you know, what your faith is about and what we believe in and uh, also, you know, what your callings are and, and where we can plug you in to uh, plug you into ministry. And so what Ken and I have been working on the last few weeks is, uh, is a way to uh, shorten that down to about four weeks, which we don't get to as much of the information uh, that we really need to, um, but really it's a good crash course uh, to get people plugged in. And so we've started this, and it's called Rise Up. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it's time for a church to rise up. Yeah. And it's time for, uh, for some believers to step up and, and be who God called them to be. And uh, if, you, if you look in here, there's, uh, there's four weeks, all right? So the first week, what we'll be doing today, it's, uh, it's the deal is go. So we have go, save, disciple, send, which is our mission statement here at Oakton. But the title for today is to know God. And uh, really, I, I have to think that a lot of you came here today and you know God or else you wouldn't be here celebrating this Easter Sunday with us. You, you at least acknowledge that there is a God and that he paid the price and that this Easter Sunday is a Sunday 
where we can come here and worship our God because he is risen and he is alive today. Amen? Okay. So in here, you're going to find uh, sermon notes, which is usually about an overview of what uh, either Ken or I will be talking about. And really, um, obviously, both of us have a different, uh, different way of approaching things. And so we'll maybe say stuff differently than, than he says it and, and that kind of stuff. So we kind of cover some different material. Um, but in here, you're going to find also, if you turn to the next page, you're going to find a, a weekly study. It's a five-day deal. Really, it's not long at all. It's just uh, basically a scripture and then a couple questions. And, but it'll really dig into this material. But the idea being is that we as believers are going to go to a new place with Christ. We're going to go to a new level with Him. You know, we're not going to continue to stay the same way that we are, but we're going to rise up and be who God called us to be. And so we're going over this with everybody uh, to start with. And then after that, as we get new people into our church, you know, we'll have separate classes for them uh, to go through the same material. But we wanted to start out going through it with everyone. And, uh, and then we'll go from there. But if you notice in your, in your bulletin, if you, uh, if you read it, um, in there, I'm going to teach a Wednesday night class uh, every Wednesday, except for this Wednesday, talking about this class. Um, just really kind of come with any questions that you have, because we're going to get into a lot of stuff. You know, we're going to get into, uh, like next week, what the church is meant for. And uh, the next week is more about spiritual gifts, which I assume that a lot of people will have questions about. You know, what are spiritual gifts? You know, what did God give me? All that kind of stuff. And maybe we can even go through some spiritual gift tests or something like that to kind of help you understand what those are about and which ones you have and that kind of stuff. Um, But we're going to offer that. Um, Would love to have you guys. And, And if you're uh, go into a different class or whatever, I can get you the materials or the questions or whatever it is, but don't worry about that. We'll get to that eventually. But uh, I just wanted to start out by bringing that up to you because I know that a lot of people were confused about what book we were handing to you. <laughs> but what I would ask, if I could ask one thing from you, it would be that you give me the next four weeks. You give me the next four weeks and commit to it, and I promise you it'll change your life. Okay? That's all I ask. After that, you know, Whatever. But if you really put serious thought into this and you really dig into it, I promise you that it's going to change the way that you live your life. Now, we got that out of the way. We can be done with that. But if you open up to the sermon notes, you can kind of follow along with where we're going to go today. But I want to start out by saying something first. I don't believe in coincidences, okay? And uh, my brother Justin Frieden texted me this morning. And he says, hey, I feel like God gave me a word last night. And it was like something that I've never experienced before. And I, and I read it, and I was like, dude, that's awesome. I actually think that it may fit in with where we're, what we're going to talk about today. And then he shows up to church, and we're wearing the exact same shirt. <laughs> you guys may call that a coincidence, but I'm calling it a sign, all right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was, and what he was talking about in his, uh, in his word was that you know, are we living our life in a way, let me say this the right way so I don't butcher it. He said, are we living the, our life in a way that we're still trying to crucify Christ? Or are we living in the freedom that he's already risen from the grave? Does that make sense? Because it seems like, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but it's almost like the roles flipped, right? Like the... Uh, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law and that you read about in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, you know, they 
were uh, very interesting in their approach to people about things. You know, they had a lot of rules. They had a lot of this stuff. And to me, what he is saying is, you know, are we still living like them trying to crucify Christ, saying that I need something else uh, to justify my life and trying to crucify Christ? Or am I walking in, in the light of what was already done for me 2,018 years ago? You know what I'm saying? Because here, here's where we start. If you look at that first scripture in there, it's, it's John 1, 1 through 16. And uh, what it's talking about is, you know, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was, was with God. And, and it goes through all this stuff. But basically what it's saying is, is that from the beginning of time, God was. And I feel like, you know, we need to depend more on the understanding of, of who God is because he's been there the whole time. You know, we, we get in our own mind that we know better, we know what we need to be doing, we know this and we know that, but really we serve a God who has been there the whole time. And he created us from the very beginning. And you see, the, the deal is, is that there was a need for him to come. Because we have a, a sin problem. I mean, I can't point at you guys and say that, but I know for certain that Landon Mayberry has a sin problem, Okay. And I needed a Savior to come to my life and to teach me how to live my life differently. And not only to teach me how to live my life differently, but also um, basically get rid of my past. Wipe it away as clean as it can be. Because if I still have that past lingering in my life, there's no way that I can come in front of the Father and, and, and be in eternity with Him. God can't look on sin. And so Jesus came to fix our sin problem. Now what I feel, um, the Lord gave me a word and I have it written out. I'm not going to read it to you. But what I feel like that we do as Christians, as, you know, I'll talk to myself, as, as I do, as Lanon, is that I feel sometimes that I'm unworthy of the gift that he's given me. I don't feel worthy to receive grace so I'm going to just continue to beat myself up about the things that I do wrong. Does that make sense? I feel unworthy of grace. Now let me give you an example. Um, around September of last year, I proposed, or year before I guess. I don't remember what day it was. Anywho, the year before that, um, I proposed to my lovely wife. And... You know, whenever I proposed to her, she had the option to say, no, I'm unworthy of marrying you. I know that seemed, maybe seems a little far-fetched for you guys, but it's all played out in my mind, so bear with me, all right? So I proposed to my lovely wife, and she says, no, I'm, I, I'm unworthy of marrying you. How does that make me feel? You know, I'm here, I've offered everything to her, and she says, no, I, I, I can't accept it. Because I don't feel good enough. And I feel like Jesus came and he performed the ultimate proposal. He came to his people and said that I'm willing to wash away everything that you've done wrong in life. I'm willing to do it all. I've already done it all. I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to endure the most pain that any human can ever, can ever suffer. I'm willing to go the distance. And I feel like we say, you know, no, 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 no. I'm too unworthy to take that, even though you've already done it. Even though that you already have your knee on the ground and the ring in your hand. 
Does that make sense? Are you with me? Come on now. But you see, I don't believe that God would give a gift to somebody who was unworthy of it. You are maybe undeserving of it, but you are not unworthy of it. Because you see, that, that changes the way that we look at it. We're, we're not unworthy. The, the, blood, the blood makes us whole, and it makes us pure. And God had it destined from the beginning of time for us to be with him. We're not unworthy of the gift that he gave us. We may be undeserving, you know. I feel undeserving a lot, you know. I'm, I'm not worthy to do this. But I am worthy to do it, maybe undeserving to be given the gift that he gave us. Because he, the father, was willing to send his son to come and to endure, to be humiliated to the point that he would be pinned on a cross. And, uh, you know, we, we can't, we shouldn't be rejecting that gift. It was a free gift. It was a gracious gift. But just because we feel undeserving and unworthy doesn't mean we aren't worthy of it. And uh, honestly, what I feel like sometimes is that it's, it's pride. I was just talking to Joel about this earlier. You know, it's pride for me to say, you know, I'm unworthy of, of that because I'm trying to hang on to the life that I have. Does that make sense? Because you see, what, what I have visualized in my mind, right? So Jesus has already been whipped and beaten, right? And he's got this crown of thorns on his head. And he's carrying this cross. And people are, you know, lined, lined down this road screaming and yelling at him and throwing things at him. And what I see from that is I see my pride and my sin and everything being tacked onto that cross, and you see, as, as our sin goes forward, and then it's crucified, and then it goes and it's put in a tomb, whenever we go back to mourn the sin that we lost, guess what? It's not there anymore. Because something that Christ did for me. And it's, I may be undeserving, but I'm telling you is that if you will come and you'll pin those things to the cross... You'll go to mourn them one day and look for them and they won't be there anymore. But see, you have to be willing to be accepting of the gift that he gave you. It doesn't matter literally anything that you have done wrong in your life from right now on literally does not matter. It's not a part of this. Christ paid the price for it. What we have to do now is say, okay, Jesus, I want to be with you. That's the difference. It's a person who's hungry to be with God. All the other stuff is taken care of. But see, as we go throughout our day, you know, when we do stuff wrong, we just say, Jesus, you know, I'm sorry. And it goes right on, and you just keep on going. It's the beauty of grace. Because see, before that, we weren't given that opportunity. And we still sometimes live in the lie of the law. We have to say, hey, I have to do all these things correctly in order for me to be a Christian, in order for me to be with Christ. Because to me, the title, Know God, we all have an under, a basic understanding of who he is. 
But what we don't have an understanding of is how to pursue him and how to run after him. Because we can talk all day long about how Jesus was the word and that he was here before time and all this stuff happened. We can talk about all that all day long. We can talk about everything that Jesus did and all that stuff. But what I need you to understand today is that if you aren't pursuing him, then it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter to you. But as soon as you say, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord, the dictator, you know, control over everything in my life. Until you make that decision, the rest of it's irrelevant. We can come and we can celebrate Easter Sunday and, you know, have a great day with our family and our friends and do everything the same way that we've always done it. But what we're talking about here today is irrelevant unless we make the decision to say, hey, I'm going to pursue Christ. And uh, so it, it just kind of changes the way that we think about things. And honestly, I think we as a church, is, and I, when I say church, I don't mean just here. I don't mean just, you know, us. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about Christians all across the world. We got to get our hallelujah in order, okay? Amen. Because we say hallelujah about things uh, that are really irrelevant, when it comes to the grand scheme of things. Because whenever we come into God's presence and we say, and you know, we're praying and we're asking God for things, nine times out of ten we're asking him for things that are these earthly things. You know, God, I need a job. God, I need this. God, I need that. Um, Lord, I need you to bless this. I, I want a wife. I want this. You know, we come into God and we say, hey, I want all of these things. But you see, what Christ came to do was not about these. I mean, you saw physical things happen. You saw people get healed. You saw the blind people be able to have sight, right? We saw that happen. But what, you were, what you're seeing is something on the outside of something that's happening on the inside. Something on the inside has to be dealt with first before the outside things come into perspective. And, uh, you know, we, we want to see, see things change. We want to see things grow. But really what we should be asking for, you know, is for people to be one to Christ, what we should be asking for is for people to be set free. Is, does that make sense? Because the, the American church, the American people love things. We, we love things so much, and whenever God gives us things, you know, that's whenever the hallelujah comes. It's easy to praise, hallelujah means praise God. It's easy to praise God whenever you're getting things, but whenever you're not getting things, um, you know, where does the hallelujah go? But we want to praise these things that were given rather than praising the Savior who gave it all. Let's uh, look at the scripture, if you don't mind. Uh, Luke chapter 4. We're going to talk about some interesting things today. Um, but Luke 4.18 says that the Spirit of... This is Jesus talking, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives be released that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Kent was talking about in the first service how he believes that this was Jesus' mission statement, that he was letting everybody know, hey, this is what I came to do. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty clear um, that that is what Jesus came to do. But what different from what Kent said this morning, I want to ask you, how does our mission statement align with Christ's? You know, how different is the way that Christ 
is proclaiming and living his life different than the way that we proclaim and live ours. You know what I mean? Because what, what I feel like we ask for is, you know, I, wanna, I want a good family. I want a good job. And, you know, I want to enjoy freedom. And I want to live in this beautiful country. I want to be an American. You know, all this stuff. We, we want to be. But uh, how is that different than how Christ, what Christ wanted to be and what Christ said that he was going to be? It says later on in the scripture that um, Kim was talking about how everybody that came into contact with Jesus that day was liberated, set free, and healed. You know, because they were standing on, on or he was standing on this scripture. And he was saying how, hey, this is what I came to do. And then they got to see everybody come and he performed that miracle, right? Because God is a God of miracles. He is a God of, he is a just God. But what I'm telling you is that we got to get ourselves in line with who Christ called us to be. And, and let me show you something. So Christ, obviously he was pinned on a cross and crucified. And we know what he came to do. We know what he did. But as the other night, whenever we had that, uh, what do they call the deal on Thursday? I, I forget what it's called. Somebody can tell you. Ask somebody next to you. They know. But anyways... They were, they were reenacting uh, the Last Supper, and all the disciples were up here, and, and uh, Maranatha and Jennifer Ray were, uh, I guess you call that narrating, that's what I'm looking for, and uh, they were talking about the end result for all of these disciples, and they were talking about how 11 of them, well, I'm not going to count Judas, but the, a bunch of them were killed for the sake of Christ. Because they so boldly proclaimed the gospel that they were executed for it. How is that different than praying for an 8 to 5 job and a family? You know what I'm saying? It's different. And if we don't get in the mindset of, hey, I'm going to start living my life in a way that reflects the mission of Christ... Until we say that, I don't know how we can say, you know, well, I can't believe that Jesus hasn't healed me of this yet, you know? Because we're not living in a way that's reflecting of his lifestyle. We're not on the mission that he was, he was sent on. We're trying to do things that benefit us rather than benefit the kingdom. It's a, it's a different way of thinking. We're going to have to get set on that. And, and let me show you the difference. Let's go to John chapter, chapter 5. It's not on your little paper there, but... I promise you there's some good stuff in John chapter 5. But whenever we set ourselves on, I'm going to be kingdom-minded. I'm going to pursue Christ with everything, and I'm going to live my life in a way that serves him. That's whenever we're going to see all the things that the disciples got to see. You know, we, we read the Bible, and maybe we come to church on Easter Sunday, and we say, you know, I believe that this Jesus rose from the grave but I got situations in my life that I need him to do something in. You know, Jesus, if you really are still alive, then I need you to come here and, and to help me with this, you know? And, and we feel like, you know, maybe that God's not there and all this stuff. But our life isn't in a way that's pursuing him. You, do you get what I'm saying? In John 5, 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem uh, for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city... Near the sheep's gate, uh, there was crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Um, 
One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeve or he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we, and this is what I was talking about, that it seems like the roles have flipped. Because sadly anymore, it feels like, you know, we walk into the doors of, of the church and we feel like we're more on the list, legalistic standpoint of, of, hey, you have to do this, 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 or this. But see, the Jesus that came, he came to set the people free. He didn't come to live in a religious environment. He came to break down the religious environment so that everyone could be in the kingdom. It's different. Because you see, from the be- earlier, God's people were meant to be that nation that everybody looked to, to see what God looks like, to see what God's character looks like. But see, the problem was is that whenever they did that, they got so inclusive that the gospel never spread. And so Jesus came and made it very clear that he was coming to the Gentiles, which were the average uh, Joes like us, and uh, to make sure that the gospel came to them and to God's chosen people. It was for everybody. But see, unfortunately anymore, we live in an environment where, or the church is an environment where we're more apt to point out someone's mat than recognize their progress. Does that make sense? I was listening to something on Stephen. Stephen Furtick was talking about this the other day and uh, some really good stuff. But what I'm telling you is, is that we got to be a church that stops pointing out mats and starts pointing out progress. Because, you know, Jesus came to set the people free. And whenever someone, you know, who has a broken life, you know, Jesus was talking about how he came to heal the poor in spirit. Whenever we see those people start making progress in our lives, we got to stop pointing at the flaws that they're currently doing and start recognizing how far they've come and start encouraging people in the word. Because that's what Jesus came to do. His heart was for the people. And I know that it's easy to say, well, you know, we can't let them uh, do that because of this bad thing they did and that and the other. But we got to forget that. we got to get away from that mindset of, hey, we got to live by the law, and we got to start living by the Spirit. And I'm not telling you today that the law isn't important, because Jesus gave us very specific commands. But if we're going to talk about knowing God today, we got to start talking about knowing the Jesus that's written about in the Scriptures and not the Jesus that the American church has made him out to be. Amen. Do you get what I'm saying? He, he's not this guy who, who wants people to come into a really nice building and... Uh, you know, wear super nice clothes and come and do their thing and then leave. He came after a people who he wanted to have a relationship with. And until we get that in our mind that, hey, my past doesn't matter. The things I've done wrong were crucified on that cross. And whenever we went to see where Jesus was, he wasn't in the tomb anymore. He was raised from the grave. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Because if, because if just the amount of people in this church really believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and that his word is true, it would be different. We would live differently. We would have a different mindset. Because what we need to focus on instead of focusing on this life is to focus on eternity. And we see these people like this crippled man who had been crippled for 38 years. And he finally gets set free. And you got to know that these Pharisees knew him. They have seen him set in there for years and years and years doing the exact same thing, probably asking for money, probably asking for all these things. They knew him. And they see him walking with a mat, and the first question they ask is, why are you carrying a mat on the Sabbath? Are you joking me? Like, how did that happen? You know, but so much of that stuff has happened in the lives of ordinary people, people just like us, but have been rejected because of a mat that they're carrying. And we got to break that down. And don't get me wrong, that Jesus' commands are true. But if, if you look at that scripture where he talks about the, his most important commandments, what's it say? Love, the, love your, God, your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second one was love your neighbor as yourself. You know, sometimes I love myself way too much, just like I was talking about the pride deal earlier. You know, we were so apt to, I have to do things this way, or I have to believe this way, or I have to, you know, whatever it is. But if you look at the root of a lot of the, the sins and stuff that we commit, it comes from pride. And until we break that down, until we pin it to the cross, let it be crucified, and when we go to look for it, it's not in the tomb anymore. Until it's gone, we're going to continue to do the same things over and over and over again. And this is what I love the most. If you're going to talk about knowing God, if you're going to talk about the heart of Jesus Christ, it was the other night on Thursday. Because when everyone was acting it out, what Jesus did before the Last Supper is that he washed the feet of his disciples. The, the, if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, this will astound you. That the Son of God himself came down, became man, and literally washed the feet of the people he came to save. If that isn't an example, I don't know what is. I don't know if you guys have ever... Um, been, through, been to a deal where uh, they wash each other's feet. But it is literally the most humbling thing that I think that I've ever done. It's so humbling. Because you're putting yourself in, in servanthood is what you're doing. And until we get that mindset of, you know, Jesus Christ came to serve. And so let me serve. Until we get that mindset, things are just going to remain the same. And you know, if, if that's not a choice that you're willing to make, I mean, I guess it's fine, but you're never going to have that relationship with Jesus, and you're not going to walk in a new light. And what I'm trying to get across is that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've been. All that stuff is irrelevant. Jesus came and paid it all so that you could have a relationship with him. You are not unworthy of this gift. Maybe undeserving, but you're not unworthy of it. And it's yours. He offered it to you. He had you in mind whenever he was on the cross. And it says that the joy, what got him through to the end was the joy that was awaiting him. Can you imagine being crucified 
and still walking in joy? You ever thought about that? But you see, a, a decision was made in the Garden of Eden a really long time ago. And that's where, you know, sin started. But it was in a different garden whenever Jesus was praying that it got taken back. Because there, you know, he, he says, um, you know, he says, hey, God, if it's, take this cut for me. But if it's your will, I'll do it anyway. Because the choice had to be made. He was fully flesh. And the choice had to be made that, hey, Floyd, I'm going to pay the price for you, man. It had to be made. It did. And he made it. And he made it with joy. And so it should be with joy that we run into an understanding of who Christ is. And we should pursue him with an open heart. That this, and what I pray is that this Easter wouldn't just be another Easter, but it would be, a, I don't remember where I got this out, um, but that it would be a Resurrection Sunday. A Resurrection Sunday where we can uh, walk in an understanding of who Christ is. Now, last scripture, I promise. 1 Peter 4, 14. And just to uh, further, further reiterate this, actually, let's move back to 12. 1 Peter four twelve. Just to further reiterate this, if we're going to know God, we've got to know his heart, all right? And we gotta, we're going to have to change our mind. We're going to have to get our mind thinking differently. And to me, this is, this is one of my favorite scriptures. But it'll change the way that you think about things. So let's read this. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials uh, you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. <laughs> okay. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in the suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is all revealed to the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must be for not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fates those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? So if you suffer in a manner that's pleasing to God, keep on doing what is right, and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. If there is a time to make a choice, it would be now. I'd encourage you to look at the last three questions uh, in this book. Just kind of meditate on those, but what I want to do first is that let's start by doing this. If you can attest to God's faithfulness, if you know by testimony that he is who he says he is, would you raise your hand? That's a cloud of witnesses, isn't it? And so what I'm telling you is, is that you don't just have to listen to me, okay? If you are not a Christian in here today, you saw how many hands just went up across this room. You can talk to any one of them. And every one of them can explain to you God's faithfulness and how he was faithful to them. We all have a testimony. We all have a story to share. And we could talk all day long about those stories. But what I'm telling you is, is that if you're not a Christian here today, you have to make a choice.
You have to say, hey, I'm either going to follow Christ with my life, I want to give myself to him, or you can choose to not follow Christ and keep doing exactly what you're doing. The choice is ultimately yours. But what the rest of your life looks like and what your eternity looks like is dependent on your decision right now. Okay? So that's the first thing I wanted to get out of the way. And if you haven't made that decision and you want to, come up here and we'll pray here in a little bit whenever the music starts playing, okay? The second thing I want you guys to think about is, is that in order to have that spirit that we've been talking about, there's two scriptures on that little deal that's written out. That was uh, Romans 8, 11 and uh, John 14, 12, you know? The same spirit that rose Christ from the grave is the same spirit that lives in me. Whenever you take on his mission, that's whenever you're going to live light differently. And that's what this whole book, that's what this whole series is about. If you can get into the understanding of, hey, I'm going to pursue Christ no matter what, and I want my life to live in a way that's pleasing to him, commit to these four weeks, okay? All right? So the altars are open. If you want to come up and pray, then, then please do so. If uh, you need to accept Jesus, please do that. But this isn't just another Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. So let the church rise up. Amen? Amen.